You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. If you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, you can get your phone out or your journal. Um, If you've got a Bible, you can flip over to John chapter 6 or click over to John chapter 6. And we're going to get over to that in a second. But before we do, many of you, many of you, if you've been coming here for a while, you kind of know my story. I talk about it um, because I like like just being transparent and real with you guys. So many of you guys know my story. I grew up in church like a lot of you. I grew up going to church every Sunday. We went to like every single service growing up. And uh, I grew up in youth ministry like you guys. And I, I did church. But as many of you know, I, I, I didn't actually like, I didn't actually get saved until my senior year of high school, which means like I kind of just played church for a long time. And I played the good, the good Christian dude part until one day I found myself just like you know, on my knees in a prayer uh, group at some random person's house realizing, oh man, I've been faking it and I really need Jesus. So I gave my life to Jesus my senior year of high school. And um, after that, I, I was pretty passionate about like living for God. Like I wanted to live for God. But not only that, it's my senior year, and I literally had no clue what I wanted to do after high school. Can anybody relate? Any, any of my seniors, any of my leaders, you've been there before? I've been there before. I was, I was finishing high school, recently saved, on fire, like ready to live for God, but like no plans at all. So I just kind of was like, well, I mean, I like, I like church and I like being saved. Maybe I should just go to Bible college. So I just kind of winged it and went to the first Bible college that I could find in Dallas, Texas called Christ for the Nations. And uh, while I was there at CFNI, um, getting my mind blown, I realized something really quickly. Um, I may really love God, but I don't know his word. (laughs) Like I realized, oh, I don't actually know what the Bible says. Like I grew up in church and I went to church every weekend, but I have no idea what this book actually says for myself. In fact, I realized this one day, we were at a chapel and there was a, a guest speaker and he was preaching on Romans chapter five. And if you've read Romans chapter five, here's what it's about. Um, it's about um, Adam and how Adam, he, he sins and how all of the sin of the world, sin of creation, the sin that you and I are born into, guess what? It entered into creation through one man. And it talks about how through one man, all of the sin and the brokenness of this world, it came through Adam, but in the same way, how one man, who's that man? Jesus, through one man, Jesus was able to undo that, undo that original sin and give us eternal life, give us a new option. And so he's preaching this about how Jesus, in this, in this passage, talks about how Jesus is the second Adam. And I'm hearing this in chapel and I'm like, like what? I've never heard this before. Like what? Like, oh, it makes so much sense. Like sin came through Adam, that one man. But Jesus was like the perfect, the perfect son, the perfect Adam. And he undid it. And I was just like, the revelation was hitting me for the first time ever. And I was, my mind was being blown. And I can remember leaving this chapel 
and coming up to my friends, my roommates, and I was like, dude, have you ever heard that before? Like, Jesus is the second Adam? Like, what? And all my friends were trying not to embarrass me, but they're like, dude, you didn't know that? Like, that's pretty, that's pretty basic theology. <laughs> and I realized in that moment, I may love God, like genuinely. I may genuinely love God, but here's the thing I didn't do. I did not know what God's word said. I had no idea what God's word said because I hadn't taken the time playing church, getting in God's word myself. And I say all that to say this. I think there's a trend happening in the world today, not just the world, but especially in the church. And here's what it is. People don't know what God's word says. Like people have no idea what God's word says. And I'm not saying that these people are bad because I was that person growing up. But what I am saying is the truth that we just don't know what God's word says. In fact, check this out. John 10, 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice. You've probably heard this before. My sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus talking. And I know them and they follow me. And I think we've got a lot of sheep walking around people like who I was, like genuinely love God, genuinely just want to know God better. But they don't know what Jesus actually sounds like because they're not in his word. And what does this verse tell us? It says that when the sheep hear his voice, then they follow him. And so here's what I think I'm seeing. I think I'm seeing a bunch of people and Christians and sheep who don't know Jesus' voice because they haven't spent time even trying to get in God's word. And so they end up wandering away or even leaving the faith and saying the whole thing was fake because they didn't know the word in the first place. And, and here's what I want you to know tonight. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's impossible. It's impossible to follow Jesus without his word. We can't know the God that we're, where we're meant to have an intimate relationship with without and apart from knowing his word. And so this is what we're going to be talking about tonight, because I believe that New Song students, every single one of you guys can become a person of the word. And that's what we want for you guys. We don't want you guys to be people like myself, biblically illiterate. I had no idea what the Bible said, and I don't want that for you guys. I want you guys to know it for yourself. So we're going to jump into John chapter six. This scripture is a little chunky. And uh, if if you're new here, We say chunky when we're going to read a lot of scripture. Is that okay with you guys? This is a little chunky, but it's really interesting. So I want you to follow along with the screen um, as best as you can. And we're going to get into this. Follow along with me. Here's what it says. It says, so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son. Whoa, what? We're going there. We're going there. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, You cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I love how Jesus knows how weird this sounds, but he doesn't care. He's like, I'm just going to say it in a bunch of different ways. I don't care what you think. I love that. Jesus is so crazy. He's like, you can eat my flesh and drink my blood, and also don't forget to eat my flesh and drink my He just keeps saying it. That's because Jesus don't care. He does care, though. Here's what it says. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. There he goes again. <laughs> I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread 
will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. So pause before we continue. What do we see? We find Jesus. He's teaching a bunch of people. His disciples are there, but there's also a bunch of followers that are also called disciples in the story. And what is he telling them? He's telling them, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, which he's not actually physically telling him that, but what he's saying is offending a ton of people. In fact, we're going to see this right here. Listen to this. Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching to understand. How can anyone accept it? I feel you guys. If I was there, I would have been like, what? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, oh, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew would, who would betray him. Y'all still with me? Okay. Then, the, then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Check out what happens. After Jesus says some crazy stuff, after he says this teaching that's hard to understand and kind of confusing and even offensive to some people in the room, this is what happens. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. So they just left. They were like, this is crazy. Then Jesus turned to the 12. So those other disciples, they weren't the original 12. They were just other followers. They left, and he looks to his 12 dudes, and he asks, are you going to leave? And I love what Simon Peter says. Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. In other words, we believe that you are who you say you are. So we're going to get into this in a second. We're going to dive into this in a second. But if you're taking notes, the title of the message tonight is Becoming a Student of the Word. Becoming Students of the Word. Let's pray before we get into this word. Father God, I thank you so much for every single person in this room. And I thank you, God, for giving us your word, God. I thank you that your word is not just an ordinary book, God, and it's not a book that should be collecting dust on the shelf, but it is your living word, God. It's powerful, and it's active, and it's good for everything, for teaching us, for helping us, for direction, God. I thank you that your word can literally change our life when we choose and learn to get into it. And so help us, God, through this series all of us, God, wherever we stand with your word, whether we've never read it before or whether we're trying to be, but we don't get it, wherever we find ourselves tonight, I pray that you would help Holy Spirit, every single one of us to get into your word and to see the power that is in it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, we're talking about becoming students of the word. Okay, what's a student? What's a student? Well, I looked up the definition of a student. You guys are students, obviously. But the definition of a student is this. Any person who studies, any person who investigates or examines something thoughtfully. So a student is somebody who, who studies, investigates, or examines thoughtfully. Can I be real with you guys tonight? I, I was not this kind of student. <laughs> 
Like I, I was a student, like in the sense that like I went to middle school and high school, but I was not somebody who studied, investigated anything, or examined thoughtfully. <laughs> like all throughout middle school and high school, um, I basically did like the bare minimum to get by. In fact, I'm just being real with you guys. Um, I honestly think the only reason why I made it through high school was because I was in band and I liked band. And if any band nerds in the house, or, or if you're an athlete, you probably know this. Uh, if you fail your classes, you ain't playing, right? And so I firmly believe that the only reason why I made it through high school was because I wanted to play drums. And so you know what I did? I passed, but barely. Like I made C's in every single class because I was not a student by this definition. I didn't study, I didn't investigate, and I definitely didn't uh, intentionally think about schoolwork. In fact, I remember specifically high school English, senior English to be specific. There, in my senior English class, we were reading a book, and the book we were reading was um, Frankenstein. Which do you guys? Has anybody read Frankenstein? So we were reading Frankenstein. It's a fairly dense book. It's a pretty big book. Um, There's 23 chapters in it. And uh, out of all 23 chapters in Frankenstein, does anybody want to take a shot at how many your boy, Pastor Jackson, actually read? I think, you know, I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly, but I promise you, I probably didn't read more than one chapter of that book. Um, like, yeah, that's right. But here's the thing. You know, what's funny too, is like, I didn't read the book. I didn't read the book, but for some reason I was like, man, senior English is really hard for some reason. (laughs) It's like, dude, you didn't read. That's why it's hard. But you know, I would find myself coming into class. Um, and then, you know, we would have chapter quizzes on the reading assignments. And, uh, so, you know, me, I'd be coming into class obviously didn't read the chapter for myself, so I had no idea what happened in the book, and I'm about to take a test or a quiz, and it's confronting me. Hey, you're about to take this. I hope you know what's about to happen. So you know what I would do in that moment? Because I didn't read the text for myself, I didn't read the story for myself, in that moment, I was forced to rely only on outside sources. So there's a couple outside sources that I would go to, um, first one, I don't know if you guys do this anymore, but spark notes, do spark notes still, are those still a thing? Okay. So I would roll up into class and I would be like, I would look at the board and I'd be like, okay, chapter 10, that's the one that we're on. I wouldn't know. Uh, okay. And I would grab my phone cause we were like, they were super strict about phones when I was in high school and I would like look under the table and I'd be Googling chapter 10, Frankenstein spark notes. And I would just be like scrolling through. And if you're not familiar with SparkNotes, SparkNotes are basically just like a summarized version. So you're not getting all the details. You're not getting any dialogue. You're just getting the bare minimum. But when you're desperate, you're desperate, right? So I'd SparkNotes. But then after that, if that wasn't enough, I'd do the next thing. I would rely on my neighbors. (laughs) On my neighbors. And so I'd be in class, and before, you know, before class starts, I look to this guy, and I'm like, hey, hey, did you read the chapter? No, you didn't. Come on, dude. Come on. Did you read the chapter? You didn't either? Dude, why is nobody reading this book? Oh, you, oh, you, okay. Hey, can you tell me what, what the chapter was about? And I would have to find somebody around me who actually read it, and I'd be like, tell me, anything crazy happened? Any, 
Like, what happened with Frankenstein? Do I need to know anything specific for this? So I'd have to rely on other people or spark notes. And then finally, um, you know, if it was just like down to the wire and I wasn't getting any help, I would just have to rely on what my teacher said and just be like, man, hopefully my teacher hinted something last class that like is going to come up in this quiz because right now I ain't got nothing. Now, (laughs) I say all of that, I say all of that to say this. I think that there are too many Christians who haven't chosen to get in the book. Kind of like me and and senior level English. Like I didn't, I didn't do it myself. And I think we find too many people, too many people in the church that they just don't know what God's word says. And, And they don't know, because they don't know what God's word says, they don't really know what he's like. They don't know how to interpret the things that he says. And so because of that, because they haven't done the work, which I've been there before. I'm not trying to blame anybody. I've been there before. But because of that, what happens is we're left scrambling when life starts to give us tests, right? The word says that in this world, you're going to face trouble. And in this world, you're going to have times where the Bible makes no sense to you, kind of like the disciples in this story, right? And you're going to be confronted with something, whether that's a test in life or, or, or something happens in your life that makes no sense or scripture doesn't make sense. And if you don't know God's word for yourself, you're going to be like me. You're going to be left scrambling to find the answers, but you can't go to the source because you don't know what it says. So what does that mean? That means you are forced to rely on outside sources telling you what the word says. You're forced to go to your friends and say, hey, this is happening to me. And I don't, what does God's word mean by this? And your friends who What if they don't know God's word? And then they start telling you what they think God's word says. You're forced to rely on other people telling you what this book says. Or maybe maybe you find yourself in in a season where you're scrambling for answers, but you don't know God's word for yourself, and so you're forced forced to rely on what a pastor says. And and you're like, man, what did Pastor Jackson say last month in that series? Or, Or what did Pastor Josh say on that week when we talked about prayer? And you're forced to rely on outside sources. Now, I want you to know that outside sources aren't a bad thing. Like, if they were a bad thing, then why are we doing church? (laughs) Why are we listening to a message? Or why are we having Bible studies? Like, of course, it's not bad to go to outside sources to try and understand God's word. But when that's the only thing you go to, you have no idea what God's word says in the first place. So how do you know what they're saying is even true? Does that make sense? So here's, here's what I want you to see. For me personally, it took personal cost for me to become a good student. So like I wasn't a good student in high school, but when I got to college and I started having to pay for school and I, were, and I was realizing, oh, if I fail this class, that means I just threw $4,000 of my own money down the drain. And I ain't about to let that happen, right? So then I became a good student. And here's what I want you to see. You can either choose to get in God's word now, or you can wait till some personal cost comes your way that forces you to get in God's word. You can do it now, or you can let something happen to you that forces you to go, oh man, I didn't do this for myself, and I need to get in God's word because I don't know what it says. And I think you guys can do that. I firmly believe that you guys can do that now. In fact, I want to go back to John chapter 6. Here's what I love this passage because... In this chapter, we find Jesus teaching his disciples 
Um, but he's not just talking to his OG 12, right? We already talked about this. The definition of disciple is not 12 guys that follow Jesus. The definition of disciple is a student or a follower of a teacher. So you've got the original 12 homies, but then you've got a bunch of other people who are following Jesus. They're following his teachings. Um, But then, you know, in this passage, Jesus begins to say some hard things to understand, some confusing things, some even controversial things in their society, right? Even today, drink my flesh, or eat my flesh, and drink my blood. That would be hard, but either way, it's still weird. So Jesus is saying these statements that are hard to understand. And you know, I love, I love this because <laughs> there are passages where Jesus is kind of pictured as, you know, he's the guy, he's healing people, he's hugging children, he's like loving people, being the nicest guy on the block. And then you've got scriptures like this, where Jesus is like unapologetically like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I'll say it in a different way. He says, how many, it says, many of his disciples said, this is a very hard teaching to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus wasn't like, oh, I'm sorry. He was like, oh, does this offend you? There's a commentary that I was reading. It was one of my favorite commentators. Uh, his name's David Guzik, and he writes this about this passage. He says, Jesus understood the offense many of his listeners took at his teaching, yet he didn't change the teaching or feel like it was his fault. Jesus didn't preach to please his audience. If that was his concern, he would have instantly taken back what he had said, seeing that his audience was offended. But Jesus didn't take it back. He challenged and he confronted them even more. So obviously, obviously in this passage, Jesus is not telling people, I want you to physically eat my flesh and drink my blood, right? First of all, Ew, gross. Secondly, that actually doesn't make any sense, and he knows this, because if that really were the case, if Jesus physically wanted us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, there, there would not be enough Jesus to go around, which is also gross, right? So this is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking spiritually, and he's talking prophetically, right? He's talking about a future thing that's going to happen. Hey, I'm going to lay my body down, my physical body, my flesh and my blood so that you can receive it by faith and experience eternal life. But what happens? In this passage, they didn't know that. They didn't really know what Jesus meant by that. They were just looking at what he was saying at face value. And what I want you to see, this is really crucial. At this moment, where they're experiencing confusion and even offense, uh, we find out a separation actually happens here. Look at this. A separation happens. At this point, it says, many of his disciples, not the 12, but the other followers, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked him, are you going to leave too? So right here, we see a division, not between the 12 disciples and the rest of the disciples, we see a division between students and observers. Right here in this moment, we find out that not everybody was actually a student. Some people were students, but there were other people who weren't students. They were just observers of what Jesus was saying. And what I want you to know is that you won't follow Jesus as an observer. And I'm not trying to be mean, and I know that's a bold statement, 
But I just want to be real tonight. Like, we see this happen in the story. You won't follow Jesus if you choose to stay an observer. Because guess what? There's going to be times where God's word doesn't make sense to you. There's going to be times in your life where God confronts you with something that maybe you don't want to be confronted by. There's going to be times in your life where what you're reading doesn't make sense. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay to read God's word and walk away and say, that didn't really make sense to me. It's okay to even read God's word and at a moment think, I don't really know about this. But it's not okay to stay there. And it's not okay to be an observer because look at this. We literally see, I love the response of the OG, the disciples. I love what Peter says. He says, Lord, where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. So right here, we see the difference between an observer of God's word and a student of God's word. And what I want you to see is that observers, when they, don't, when they become an observer, they don't just become an observer in their moment, they become judge of God's word. And when you become judge of God's word, here's what you're saying. That's not real. That's not actually true. And in that moment, when they left Jesus, they weren't just saying that, that teaching's hard to understand. What they were saying was, Jesus, he's a fake. I thought he was the, I thought he was the son of God, but that's, that doesn't make sense, and that doesn't fit in my box, and so I'm leaving. And I don't know about you, but I bet they felt real dumb when Jesus came back from the dead, right? They're like, oh man, I was actually wrong about that. But this is where we find the difference between an observer of the word and a student of the word. And so I don't know about you, but I want to become a student of the word. So how do we become a student of the word? How do we go from being just followers of Jesus, just people watching him talk, to people learning and sticking with him even when it doesn't make sense? How do we do that? The first thing I think we need to do is this, recognize I'm the student. We've got to recognize I'm the student. In other words, I'm not the teacher. In other words, God's word is living and active, and God's word is who teaches me. I don't teach God's word. Check this out. Isaiah 55 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. What is God saying? I'm smarter than you. (laughs) I'm bigger than you. I see more than you see. Look at this. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Psalm 18 says this, as for God, his ways are what? Perfect. Does it say higher up there? His ways are perfect. And check this out. The, word, the Lord's word is what? Can you? Sorry. Flawless. There we go. We got it. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield around him. Last one, Matthew chapter 24. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my what? My words will never pass away. So when we see the disciples that are leaving Jesus because of what they heard, which what they heard was not just Jesus teaching, they were hearing God's word, right? Because Jesus is God and he's speaking, he's declaring God's word. So what they're hearing is the word of God. And in that moment, they took offense because of their confusion and they went from being a student 
to being a judge of God's word. So they weren't just a student anymore. They went from being the student to thinking they were the teacher and thinking that what you're, what you're saying, Jesus, that's not right. That can't be right. That can't be right. That can't be true. And in that moment, they, they took a step over Jesus. But I love this. I love the response of the disciples. I love the response of Peter. What does he say? We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. We believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God. And what I want you to know tonight is that we can take that similar stance. You know, I may not know exactly what I just read, or, or I may not know what the answer is to that question, but here's what I do know. I know that you're God, and I'm the student, and I'm not God. So I don't get to tell you what this actually means. It gets to tell me what it actually means. I'm the student. He's the teacher. We need to recognize if we're going to become students of the word, I'm the student. I'm not the teacher. I'm the student. And if we're going to do that, the second thing that we need to do is this. We need to seek to understand. Look to your neighbor say, seek to understand. If we're going to recognize that we need to become students, we need to seek to understand. But what happens, what happens when we find ourselves in a similar situation to the people who are hearing Jesus say hard stuff to understand? What do we do? Well, here's what we don't do. Obviously, we don't want to do what they did, which is just say, that's hard and confusing and crazy, and it doesn't really match up with my box, so bye. Like, we don't want to do that. Obviously, that's wrong. But we also don't want to do this. We don't want to just stay at point one, which is I'm a student. It's good to recognize I'm a student, but it's not good to just say, well, I'm a student, and I'm just not meant to know. That's not okay. Like, think about it in, in terms of school. If you're in math class, and your teacher is trying to teach you a math concept, and you don't understand it, and it's not making sense to you, in that moment, do you just go, well, you're the teacher, and I'm the student, and maybe I'm just not supposed to understand it? Like, that would be crazy, right? What would you do in that moment? You would seek to understand the concept, right? It's okay to be confused, but it's not okay to stay there. And in the same way with God's word, we want to recognize that we don't get to tell God's word what it says, but we also need to recognize we don't need to stay confused in, when it comes to God's word. We need to seek to understand, and the way we do that is not just by going to the source, but it's by asking the Holy Spirit, who is the source, to help us when we read. Look at this. John 14 says this, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is who? The Holy Spirit. He will teach you. He will teach. He's the teacher. You're the student. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So when we find ourselves in a season where something doesn't make sense in God's word, well, we first got to recognize it's okay because I'm the student. But we also got to recognize I have the ability to seek to understand. What does that mean? I can go to God's word first, and then what it, I can go to other sources. I can go to my pastor. I can go to a podcast. I can go to a book. I can go to a, a trusted friend in the church and say, this doesn't make sense. Can you help me? We need to seek to understand. It's not okay just to say, well, I'm the student, and I'm not meant to know. You are meant to know. God didn't give you his word, so you couldn't know his word. He wants you to understand his word. And last point, as we get ready to close... 
We need to become, recognize we're students. We need to seek to understand, and we need to do this. Choose to stay anchored. Choose to stay anchored. You know, if we're going to become students of the word, we need to be people that respond to confusion or lack of knowledge like the original 12 disciples. What did they say when they were confused about what Jesus was saying? What did they say? They didn't, they didn't say, well, Jesus, what you're saying is really confusing, um, and I don't understand where this fits into my box, but you told me to eat your flesh and drink your blood, so here we go, and just go for it. And they also didn't just run away like the rest of the disciples who were offended by what he said and let that offense become a wedge between them and Jesus. What we see them do instead is say, you know what, Jesus? I know that I'm the student in this equation, but I also know in this equation, you're not just my teacher, you're the son of God. And so because of that, I'm gonna choose to stay anchored because guess what? If you're the son of God, I can trust what you have to say. And I'm so thankful they did because guess what? When they continued to walk with Jesus, what they found out was he didn't actually mean physically eat my flesh and drink my blood. It was something totally different and something even better because it was for you and me as well, right? And the only way they were able to see that actually come out into fruition is because they chose to stay anchored to Jesus. And here's what I want us to know tonight, New Song students. And I want to warn you and I want to, I want to tell you as a believer, and, and for me, I want to stay anchored in God's, like, I'm still a student of God's word. Like, I know I'm up here, and I'm your pastor, but I don't know what everything this word has to say. I don't know how to interpret this word perfectly, and I won't until when I'm in heaven with God, right? None of us are ever going to know perfectly how to interpret his word, but what we do know is that he's God, and that he's our helper, and that we can be anchored to him even in the midst of confusion. Confusion doesn't have to keep us from him. Storms of life, they don't have to keep us from God's word. And when we choose to stay anchored, he always brings truth. He always brings truth. He always illuminates us to his word. And so if we're going to become students of his word, if you and I are going to be people who don't just run away when something makes, makes no sense to us, if we're going to be people like that, we've got to recognize who's the student in this equation. We've got to seek to understand and we've got to choose to stay anchored. Stay anchored in Jesus. Stay anchored in his word. And right now, as we get ready to close and head into small group, I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're just going to take a second. And we're going to talk to the source himself. Because he's in this room. The Holy Spirit is in this room right now. And he wants to, he wants to talk to you. And right now, wherever you're at, I want, to, I want you to ask in your heart the Holy Spirit this question. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me through this message? What are you saying to me? Maybe he's whispering to you, hey, I love you, but you don't know my word. And I want so badly for you to know my word so you can hear my voice, so you can follow me. Would you just get in my word this week? 
Maybe for you, the Holy Spirit is, is revealing to you a person in your life who, who's somebody you can trust, who you need to go to, and you need to just say, hey, I need help. This doesn't make sense, but I want it to make sense. Wherever you find yourself here tonight, I want you to know that shame, when we're talking about reading God's word, shame has no place here. Shame has no place here. And maybe you're here tonight and shame is starting to rise up in your heart and you're like, man, I'm, I, haven't been, I haven't been a good follower. I haven't been a good student. I haven't read God's word and I just feel bad about myself. I want you to stop that right here because we all start somewhere. We all start somewhere. And God can start with anything. And guess what? The word says that God gives us new mercies every single day. Tomorrow, you've got a new opportunity to get in his word. A new opportunity to hear the Holy Spirit teach you his word. And so we just say right now, before we go anywhere, shame, you have no place here. You have no place here when it comes to God's word. And Father God, I thank you for every student here tonight. And I thank you that you're not an author of confusion, but you're a good father. And you want us to know you, and so you gave us your living word. And I know, and you know, sometimes we don't have all of the understanding we need for your word, but you always provide the need. And so I lift up every single student to you tonight who maybe lacks understanding for your word. Help us to stay anchored even when we don't get it. Help us to stay anchored in you. Help us when we seek to understand, to find truth, God. And we thank you that at the end of the day, you're God and we're not. You're the teacher and we're the student and you're a good teacher. And we thank you for your word, God, and that it lights our path. It can change our life. And as we, as we commit this summer to getting in your word more, I pray that you would help every single student in this room experience your word like they never have before this summer in jesus name and everybody said amen